This is Kyle Worley, and I'm joined by my co-host, Jen Wilkin and JT English. What's up, y'all? Isn't it good to be back? It's so good. What it's season so good. is this? Season eight? Season eight. Can you imagine that? Here we go. It's season eight. Seasons. It's a lot of seasons. I mean, we're getting into like Seinfeld territory at this point. You mm-hmm. know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. We've passed Friends. Parks and Rec. I prefer We're getting Friends. close to the Friends. Uh, yeah. West Wing was definitely was not in its strongest. This is not its strongest <laughs> well, season. I felt like they ended on a good note. Oh, they they end on a good note, but man, that season six and seven are rough. Rough. Hey, rough. speaking of Aaron Sorkin, have you watched um, the the I Love Lucy? No, is it good? Movie? That's not no. the name of it. No, it's being the Ricardos. Being the Ricardos. Yes, it was good. It was. Really? It felt like an episode of The West Wing. Like it's his. Uh, he works his typical formula. The way he sets the whole know. thing. I didn't up. even know he did that. Yeah, it was I'm good. And for those of you who are fastidious about what you watch, read the parent warnings. You know, but honestly, it was. It was other than language and one little sort of fuzzy scene where a married couple are enjoying one another's company. Um, it's pretty clean. Hmm. Yeah, just like a dinner? I don't know why that would yeah, be funny. Yeah, it's a dinner. Okay. Um, <laughs> it was more like dessert. <laughs> uh, there's our line. Um, well, uh, I am really glad to be back for season eight. Uh, let me just tell you something. we got the best audience in podcasting. Knowing faith folks, we are really excited about what we have. We just recorded this week like a barn burner of an episode uh, for season eight. Uh, so, like, I am so excited for you to hear it and honestly a little bit scared. Yeah. Um, so it was on Romans 9 with Dr. Mike Bird. Uh, we've got some, we are covering some really interesting passages. We're going through Romans 9 through 16 here in season eight. If you did not follow along with us, Romans 1 through 8, that's totally fine. You might be like, well, do I need to go back and listen to all of those Romans episodes? Well, they're there for you. You can find hurt. them where it wouldn't hurt. Um, <laughs> but today we're going to try to give you a little bit of a recap on Romans and uh, reset the table for you uh, so that you kind of know what to expect going into the last half of Romans. So if you're like, should I pause this and go listen to all of the previous ones from Romans 1 through 8? You don't have to. We will try to bring you along with us. But it would be beneficial, I think, for you if you really are interested in diving deep into Romans, which we're trying to do, to go back and listen to season seven, Romans one through eight. We had some incredible guests on, Dr. Jarvis Williams, Dr. Tom Schreiner. I mean, just some incredible folks that we had on last season. Uh, we had, uh, oh, Courtney Doctor mm-hmm. uh, was on with us last season. Anyway, some great episodes covering some very rich passages. So you can find those wherever you find your podcast. But today, we're going to kind of do a teaser for you on Romans 9 through 16. So part of this will be looking back on Romans 1 through 8, and part of it will be looking forward to the last half of the letter to the church in Rome. So let's start there. Let's start very broad as if someone has never heard uh, anything that we're about to say because mother is the repetition of learning, right, Jen? You mean repetition is the mother of learning? Mother, 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 mother is the repetition of learning. I was like, did Kyle oh, just boy. call me his mother? It took I gotta, <laughs> oh my gosh, mother that's is hilarious. the repetition mother? of learning? Oh. Yes, child. Uh, oh my goodness. <laughs> Guys, I'm going to be honest with you. I'm riding the quill train right now. I'm riding yeah. that. I call it Day Quill the quill train. I call it John, John Quill Train. You know, he plays the funky music of uh, getting rid of my uh, sinus infection. Uh, and so, uh, yeah, I'm I'm on the quill train right now. So who knows what's going to happen? I'm, I'm 48 hours into the quill train. And uh, I don't think the journey is going to be complete by the end of this episode. So <laughs> repetition is the mother of learning. And so today we're going to do a little bit of repetition so that we remember together. Let's start here. JT, what is Romans? 
Tell me. Romans ultimately, like if you're putting it simply, it's a missionary support letter. Paul is writing a community that he's trying to build support in and raise support for so he can go further his mission. He's called to not plant churches where churches have already been planted, but to plant and to minister to people where the gospel has not been proclaimed yet. He tells us that at the end of Romans. And so here he is. He's, he's, he's going to go through Jerusalem. He's on his way to Rome, and he hopes to go to Spain. And he's trying to gather support for the mission that he feels God has called him to, to head to Spain. And in doing so, he's making sure that they're on board with their gospel, with his gospel, with the gospel that he has received from the Lord Jesus Christ. And he also is dealing with specific tensions that this community in Rome is facing, tensions around Jew and Gentile relationships, their understanding of what faith looks like, their understanding of what it means to be a Christian. Do you have to be a Jew in order to be a Christian? Or do you simply place your faith in Jesus? What are the signs and seals and symbols of that? At the end of the letter, he's going to start talking about Christian virtue and love and living a life of sacrifice. And so he's ultimately laying out succinctly what he believes the gospel is, to a community that he believes is confused about the gospel and needs some clarity about the gospel so that he can raise support to go proclaim that gospel elsewhere. Mm-hmm. That's good. There you go. Yeah, so it's a letter. It's a, it's a missionary letter. It's a support letter. But, man, it is rich with doctrine, right? I mean, it is uh, – I've never received – I'm on a lot of missionary and church planner newsletters. None of them have felt like <laughs> this one. You know what I'm saying? Um, so, I'll send you one. Okay, oh, good. <laughs> Um, so, but well, why are we studying it though? I mean, like, listen, there's a lot of books of the Bible and we actually had, we rarely have unanimity when it comes to what we're going to study for Mm -hmm. like a season. But when we were like, you know what? We should do Romans. We all were like, yeah, we should do Romans. Why Jen? I mean, why did we pick this one and why now? Well, not only are there a lot of books of the Bible, but there are relatively speaking, a lot of epistles that are written by Paul, you know? And, um, so a couple of the reasons that we wanted to do the book of Romans, are because, um, first of all, a lot of the epistles that Paul wrote were relatively short, and people have spent time in those. And um, and this is not one of those. It's it's longer. It's sixteen chapters. Um, not only that, but I'm starting to cook a little theory. It's probably not anything particularly, you know, groundbreaking. But that because Paul is addressing uh, an audience that he has not yet seen in person, that he he expounds in more depth on some things that are only touched on in some of his other epistles. And even as we were putting together the curriculum for the study that we're doing at my home church, um, that's just obvious. Like when you cross-reference to, to one of his other epistles that so often he has given three sentences there to what he's given, you know, a paragraph to here. And so it's not yeah. ent- it's not always the, tr- the case. I mean, you know, you might get into First and Second Corinthians and find that he's actually taken longer on something there than here, probably due to whatever was uniquely occurring in that church at that time. But if you want sort of a one-stop shop for Pauline theology, Romans is where you go. Yeah. No, it is. It is the Walmart supercenter of the Pauline epistles. <laughs> okay, we're going to need a, like, this is this is the NyQuil train right here. We're, producer Brad, we're going to need a, like, no. a meme of that. JT, there's so much opportunity here for good content from Kyle. If you and I just trigger the right sentences yeah. and phrases. So, yeah, so, so actually, I've got a couple questions for you, Kyle. Sure, sure. <laughs> what hot takes do you want to hear? Um, no, I, no, I think you're right. Like, one of the things that I... Um, I've said this before, and I I don't remember. I feel like one of you didn't like that I said it, but we'll just say it. I'll say it again, and we'll figure out which one, if any, it was. But there are some books of the Bible 
that I do think produce very large returns if you dive deep in studying them over the course of the rest of scripture. Like Genesis and Exodus. If you do deep dives on Genesis and Exodus, guess what? You're going to get a lot of return on that when you study other books of the Bible. The same is true for the Psalms, for uh, Daniel, Isaiah. There, these are books, the Gospel of Matthew, John, uh, and Romans is certainly one of those books of the Bible that when you dive deep into studying it, you will typically find that your ability to understand, comprehend, uh, and read intelligently other parts of the Bible, it's going to be strengthened because of the work that you do in Romans. Ro- studying Romans deeply is is maybe like leg day at the gym. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> no, I have no idea, but I'm happy okay. for you. Explain yeah. some more. Yeah, nobody wants to train legs because, you know, it's highly inconvenient and you get super sore. Uh, They're a cardio center for the body. But if your core and your legs aren't strong, then good luck having any other muscle group be strong. Right, JT? (laughs) Yeah, so what you're saying is is Romans is like the Walmart super center leg day (laughs) of the Christian life. (laughs) Yeah, honestly, my commentary is going to be Romans, the Walmart super center of the leg day of the Christian life. That's going to sell. well, the audience of this letter is pretty crucial. And if you followed yeah. along with us last season, then you know it's pretty significant that we know who was receiving the letter. Mm-hmm. So there was, we'll kind of fill it in together. I'll kick us off. There was a church in Rome. The church was comprised of both Jews and Gentiles. Uh, but there was a little bit of a dynamic of division going on in that church. JT, can you help kind of give us a glimpse of why that might have been the case? Yeah, I mean, first, I think it's important to note that we don't know who founded this church. This is likely Mm -hmm. founded by anonymous Jews. Perhaps they heard the gospel at Pentecost and they go back to Rome. They're traders, they're artisans, who knows? It's not like an apostle founded this church. Paul Paul did not plant this church in Rome. And so they don't have like this apostolic, like, uh, root, so to speak. They do in the sense of they're, they're teaching the same message, but they're just anonymous Christians, Jewish, Gentiles. And so you have these Jewish Christians who then are exiled from, from Rome uh, in 49 for, uh, by Caesar, and ultimately they're exiled, and, and they're, they're, they're now left, the church is left to the Gentile Christians. And these two groups of people, though they share a lot in common, also have some differences. The primary difference they have, uh, you can probably see it most clearly in Romans chapter 4, what does it mean to be a person of faith? Uh, are you a person of faith because you're Jewish or are you a person of faith because you have believed the promises of God? And for Jewish Christians, they want to say kind of a both and. And for Gentile Christians, they want to say, no, it's just belief. And so they're they're at odds. And so when the Jewish Christians come back about five years later, there's now this tension that exists in the life of the church. And none of us have been in a church where there was tension or different, no. you know, different opinions. or and Never, so that, never, yeah, ever. Yeah, this is just a, a regular, we need to think about this like our church. It's a regular local church. I don't want to, it's probably too strong to say factions. I don't know that I see division here. I do see friction, you know, and, and they're also right. figuring out how do we live faithfully in our community that also has Jews and Gentiles and Romans and pagans. And what does it mean to faithfully live out a life that has been given and bought by Jesus Christ? And these Jewish and Gentile Christians are disagreeing. So Paul's trying to help ease some of that tension for them. Yeah. What bridge is God calling you to cross that the gospel might go forth among the nations? Women like Lilius Trotter, Harriet Newell, and Sarah Hall Boardman Judson have indeed crossed their own bridges to get to the lost. Discover the stories of 10 inspiring female missionaries who changed the world for Christ. 
10 Women Who Changed the World as Seminary President Daniel Aiken's powerful tribute to these women who fulfilled the Great Commission. May we all follow in their footsteps. 10 Women Who Changed the World is available wherever books are sold. The CSB Life Council Bible provides biblical counsel and practical wisdom for pastors, ministry leaders, counselors, parents, couples, and any individual seeking practical wisdom through the application of God's Word. It includes more than 150 full-length articles on a wide range of topics and tough issues from respected Christian counselors and scholars. Visit csblifecouncilbible.com to get your copy today. Visit csblifecouncilbible.com to get your copy today. Yeah, and like JT has already said, Paul hasn't been to this church, mm-hmm. but they certainly know him by reputation. Mm-hmm. Like, the word is out. So when they get a letter from Paul, a letter that we we presume, based off of the end of the letter, is carried by Phoebe and read to the congregation by Phoebe. When they get this letter, they know, okay, we're hearing from somebody whose credibility is high. This is an apostle. Mm-hmm. This is somebody who we should listen to. And so Paul is weighing in on both some matters of doctrine and some matters of practice, all within the context of this missionary support letter, I'm coming to you. Like, I, please help me get to Spain, and then I want to I I come to you guys. So uh, we, we looked at Romans 1 through 8 in the fall. Maybe uh, for both those who followed along with us and maybe those who are just joining us, what were some of the major themes, concepts, outline overview of Romans 1 through 8. And we don't have to get this exhaustively. I mean, we did 17 episodes on it, so we're mm-hmm. not about to cover the whole of it in, you know, some sound bites. But what were some things that stood out to you as far as the flow, structure, and major themes of Romans 1 through 8? Well, I mean, he starts off with uh, the doctrine of revelation, basically. He talks about natural revelation and establishes the guilt, not just of the Jew or the Gentile. He, he wants to make sure that we get the message that all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Um, so takes quite a bit of time getting that set up um, so that, you know, I mean, as the saying goes, there's no good news without the bad news. So he does spend uh, plenty of time making sure that we understand just how um, hopeless our our situation is apart from the good news of the gospel. Um, mm-hmm. And then he starts to explore the, the doctrine of, uh, of justification. Um, he, he, he moves into looking at what exactly are we saying when we say that we are in Christ. And then, you know, we had a lot of opportunities for Kyle to wax rhapsodic on his favorite um, union with Christ. Walmart Supercenter Lake Day. <laughs> <laughs> I'm never going to forget that. Like I just, well, I just wasn't going to you know, stick. I, I had a lot more. I had a lot less Nyquil in my system last season than the start of this one. So mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I like Kyle and yeah, Nyquil. Yeah, so oh, I do too. Let's see what could we combine with Nyquil to see what other versions of Kyle we might get. Yeah, yeah, a little mixologist over there. <laughs> Speaking of mixology, um, what else did you guys find that Paul mixed into the first eight chapters of Romans? I really am impressed by what you just did. Um, uh, No, I think one of the things that stands out to me is, uh, well, I I see one one of the things I learned 
is I think that oftentimes I have made like this little jump in Romans in my understanding of it, where I'll go from like Romans one, mm-hmm. uh, for the righteous are justified by faith, uh, from faith for faith, mm-hmm. to Romans three, no one is righteous, no, not one, mm-hmm. to Romans five. Okay, okay, so we'll be justified by grace through faith in Christ alone, to Romans eight. Mm-hmm. Like I have made this jump and I think a lot of people learn Romans that way because that's how people get appealed to it. But do you know what chapters I had very little literacy on? Romans right. 2, yeah. Romans 4, Romans 6 and 7. Mm-hmm. But hold on. Like Paul includes those for a purpose. His argument is very structured in this mm-hmm. letter. So uh, when we were diving into Romans 2, I think one of the things that became really clear to me was just how formative. I know this sounds, gosh, this might seem like as a simple observation, but just how formative the audience of this letter was on how Paul was instructing the church. That my, oftentimes the way I've approached Romans and the way I think popularly Romans is approached is like Romans one, okay, there's this problem of idolatry. Mm-hmm. Romans three, no one is righteous. That's the bad news. Everybody's mm-hmm. really jacked up. Romans five, don't worry. God's going to do something. He's going to justify. He's going to declare us righteous. Romans 8, this is what that beautiful life with Christ in the spirit could look like. And um, But as we were digging in, the beauty of those chapters, particularly 5 and 8, are, gosh, they're they're amplified by what we found in chapter two, which is, man, there is a real question over who gets to judge what covenant fidelity looks like. Romans 4 Abraham and David stand in as very specific examples to the church in Rome that God's work of grace and salvation wasn't contingent on the signs and symbols of salvation, namely circumcision. That's Romans 4. And then Romans 6 and 7, okay, you've been justified. Now, that's gonna, that, that sounds really good, but it kind of can create a bit of a complicated way of thinking about both sin and holiness. And so Paul's trying to kind of triage that. So yeah, I, I, last season for me was, a very, was very uh, uh, rewarding in that there was a lot of passages of Romans I, I've kind of just glossed over mm-hmm. that it forced me to dive deep into. JT? Yeah, one of the things I've been thinking about is how, I mean, obviously one of the main things that, that Paul's highlighting here is anthropology. And by that, we mean the doctrine of humanity. What does it mm-hmm. mean to be human? That's the doctrine of sin, the doctrine of image bearing. Uh, also, it's, he, he's highlighting the doctrine of salvation, obviously, throughout these chapters. But one of the things I've been thinking about, really, even since we stopped recording, and as I've just continued, I'm preaching through Romans at Storyline, which we've mentioned a number of times. I think his main concern is actually the like, theology proper, the doctrine mm-hmm. of God. How is God yep. going to maintain his covenantal faithfulness to his community? And what does it look like for him to produce a covenantally faithful community? And that's really Romans 9 moving forward or, or really 12 moving forward. And so if, if, if you're asking like, what is the overarching theme, at least of the first eight chapters, it's, it's the doctrine of God. How is God going to maintain covenantal faithfulness to his community? How will he uphold his righteousness? Mm-hmm. Uh, and how will he extend his righteousness to his people? Those are two, the, the two things that both of you have observed pretty much represent two of the biggest obstacles that I face when I'm trying to wrestle down Bible literacy in the church. And the first, you know, Kyle, what you describe is sort of a pragmatic reading where it's like, I just need what I need from this. And so um, I'm going to skip over the parts that are either focusing on the original audience's concerns or that are focusing on how the Old Testament impacts my understanding of what's going on. Like even in, you know, the episode that we'll have with with, um, Dr. Bird, 
just how typically we're just disinterested in the stories um, of Abraham or of um, or of Pharaoh, like how they impact our understanding of Romans, because we just need to know what we should do with it. And so I think, you know, that whole Roman road approach is, is very just like, I need to make this useful immediately. And it's not that you can't find usefulness in it, but it's just that you find more and better usefulness when you slow down and, and read the whole context. But then this other issue, JT, that you're pointing to is the idea that the Bible is a book about God. Um, and mm-hmm. when it comes to Romans, and if our primary mentality is I need to be able to use this right now, then we do tend to focus more on what's in it for me. Um, and mm-hmm. the first place that we should look more reading is to ask what is true about God. Uh, the Bible That's is right. a book about us too, but secondarily so. And so um, I, I love that the thing that has been sort of the insight coming out of it for all of us has been, those are the two things that are typically missing in the way that we've read the book of Romans previously. Yeah, that's right. Well, okay, so we've looked back. What are the kinds of things that we will discuss in Romans 9 through 16? You know, we've already we've already started doing it, and we recorded an episode earlier this week. But what are some of the major themes, some of the tricky passages? What are you interested or excited about talking about in the back half of Romans? I mean, certainly I think the one that is right out of the gate and is also one of the more incendiary, controversial, confusing that we had a lot of fun talking about with Dr. Bird was is Romans 9, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, there's so much meat on the bones for Romans 9. We're actually going to do two episodes on that, one with Dr. Bird, and then we were like, oh, because the three of us have more to say on this, so we're coming back for a, <clears throat> we're coming back for our part two episode. Uh, but so Romans 9 is there, but what else? Is there anything else in Romans 9 through 16 that you're like, oh, I cannot wait till we get to talk about that? Nah. Yeah, it's pretty. <laughs> yeah, first wow. eight chapters. It's right. pretty. Wow. Wait, thanks for selling the season, Jen. Um, I was going to say. I mean, this is way oversimplifying it. But the two major themes, uh, Romans nine, ten, and eleven, uh-huh. are are really about who are God's people and how has God how is God building them? Like how is He shaping and forming them through His sovereign, divine choice? Romans chapter nine, and then Romans twelve through sixteen is how do they live? Yeah. What, 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 the ethics, and so when we think about like, I'm sure people have heard the Romans Road before. This is not a criticism of the Romans road. Mm-hmm. I was saved through a track that's very similar to the Romans road, but it really does focus on divine judgment or human sin, divine judgment, and God's God's uh, uh, provision of salvation. That's mm-hmm. all true. But things that can often be left out of things like the Romans road or simple tracks is, is sanctification. How now shall we live yep. in light of what God has done? And that's really where Paul takes us in Romans 12 through 16. Things like submission to authorities, Romans chapter uh-huh. Uh, Romans chapter 12, love one another, sacrifice your life for each other, abhor what is evil, care for you, care for each other. And so I think that's something that really resonates. I was listening to a video from Tim Keller a couple days ago, and he said, you know, one of the things that resonates in kind of a, um, I forget, I forget the exact language he used, but kind of a, uh, he didn't say post-Christian, but kind of a secularizing society in the first generation is, are we good? And the, and the gospel message talks about you're not good, but you can be made good through Jesus. And that's mm-hmm. true in Romans. <clears throat> but something else that, that is happening, especially in the, kind of the younger generation, millennial, Gen X generation, is is not they're not asking the question so much, uh, am I good? They're asking, how do I be free? Autonomy is the question. And Paul's going to highlight that true Christian freedom comes from giving your life away mm-hmm. to other people. Sa- mm-hmm. Offer your life as a living sacrifice for others. So I think this message of Romans still resonates today of, of if you want true freedom, sacrifice yourself for others. Mm-hmm. Give it away. That's where freedom is found. Yeah, yeah I love um, the timeliness of, of this whole um, second half of the book because I, I think what I have often thought about is that 
the Jews and the Gentiles are living in, in an antagonistic relationship with one another within the church. But that's, I don't think that's what Paul is going to depict for us, mm. especially when you get to his closing remarks, right? Um, I think that what we're seeing is a group of people who love each other and are deeply committed to each other and cannot figure out how they're going to be able to be able to live in, in unity with one another. Yeah. And that's, that's everybody's Thanksgiving table, you know, mm. right now. That's, I mean, you can look at it. Obviously, we need to look at it from the perspective of the church, but just this call to unity um, and how it should impact us in the relationships that are the most meaningful and often the most um, fragile in terms of like the easiest to, to do damage to. Um, and sometimes the one where the, the, the ones were the least thoughtful about. And so, I love that we get to turn from the indicative to the imperative, that we're going to get to the place where it's like, okay, here's where the rubber hits the road. And because of the good work that we've been trying to do on the front end, um, the back end of the letter is going to hit us the way that it should, that these are not um, simplistic ideas and that the the issues that are facing this church are every bit as complex as the ones that are probably facing the church that you're in now or the small group that you're in now, um, and that we are able to live at peace with one another if we focus on, uh, if we major in the majors, yeah. and that's what he's going to uh, ask them to do. That's good. Man, I'm excited. <clears throat> I'm excited for all of it. I'm excited for people to hear the episode we just recorded because it was one of my favorite episodes we've ever done. I'm excited for Romans 12. We're going to do a few episodes there, and that's one of my favorite chapters in Romans. So, Rich. Your, your excitement is worth noting, taking into account that you're in a drug-induced haze right now. I know. So it's like I can't even really yeah. get beyond just like a placid disposition, but this is <laughs> truly my heart is leaping with joy. <clears throat> no, I mean— Seriously, I'm excited. We're excited. This has been so fun to do this. Um, and thanks for following along with this journey through Paul's letter to the church in Rome. If you like the podcast then, and you were like, oh man, I want other people to hear this, then the best way you can help is to share it on social media or to leave a review wherever you get your uh, podcast at. The first episode of season eight airs on February 3rd and it's weekly from February 3rd, basically through the end of May. We'll have some other cool stuff for you. Uh, some mini episodes. It'll drop throughout this spring as well. Some great guests. We have a sister podcast that you should check out. Uh, it's the Family Discipleship Podcast with Adam Griffin, Chelsea Griffin, and Cassie Bryant. And they beat us in the guest pool this this spring. I'll tell you guys, they've got some they've got some real real swinger. Uh, I was going to say swingers. That's not swingers. <laughs> well, I would oh, definitely hey, tune yeah. in to hear that. <laughs> <laughs> Oh boy. <laughs> okay. Uh, they've got, down the they've got some real hitters over uh, on the. Uh, oh, Lord, help us. Um, They're going to be so grateful for this really glowing endorsement that you've given. What a plug. Sending them the right kind of audience. Uh, if you're interested in family discipleship uh, at any level, you should check them out. They're fantastic. You can find Knowing Faith. Lord, please. Engineer Brad, just go ahead and go ahead and just cut all of my mic. No, nope. leave, leave it, it in. Leave it in. Leave it in. You can find Knowing Faith and the Family Discipleship Podcast on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, wherever you're at on social. You can check us out on patreon.com slash knowing faith for some cool behind the scenes stuff. I better get out of here before I say something else I regret. We hope you enjoy it. I think Swing we should do, can we do five or six more episodes today? Let's do Romans 10, no, think, 11, 12. I think 12. we need to cancel the other ones we have scheduled, frankly. Let's just, let's just do the whole season today. Oh, my gosh. All right. We hope you enjoyed the discussion. Grace and peace. Good luck. Good luck. Good luck.